Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Grow Flow podcast, where we bring you the best information, insights, and interviews to grow, scale, and manage your legal cannabis business. My name is Joe Stolte, and I'm joined by my handsome and amazing co-host, Travis Steffen. And today, we're going to talk about payment methods and electronic payment methods for retailers and dispensaries, why they're important, how you should be thinking about them, what's coming in the future, and what you should be doing right now to take full advantage of everything that's available in the market. How you doing, Travis? I am rocking and rolling today. It's yeah. been a busy day, but uh, this is kind of my my break in the action, just to be able to sit here and talk. That's right. This is good. We've, we've taken a, a little break between recording podcasts, as you guys know, we batch these, and uh, we're back in the studio again. A lot has happened, and uh, we're ready to roll. So let's jump right in. Um, so let me just start and jump right into it. Um, why should dispensaries and retailers care about electronic payments? Money. Making money, period. And honestly, the the reason we are where we are today is because of pretty backwards legislation that would prevent banking being normal in any way for you know, companies that have been decriminalized and have been legalized in various states, but for whatever reason, they can't, they still can't get banks. They still can't get credit cards. I mean, there's a significant percentage of GrowFlow customers that are legal businesses that are unbanked. It's insane. So because of that, and because most payment solutions, you know, taking credit cards or debit cards in the traditional way, are tied specifically to having a bank account to begin with, most operations are just going to be dealing with cash. Uh, so we're we're in this state right now where you know dispensaries and even patrons of dispensaries are just kind of used to the fact that they have to withdraw cash from an ATM yeah. and give it to the and and that's like the most ridiculous thing from a governmental regulation perspective because they know exactly where these ATMs are. You know, they know what's happening. They know they're basically using a debit card, getting cash and then handing it to these folks. But for whatever reason, that's not been a, a movement of, of legislation. So the reason you should care as an owner or an operator of a dispensary or retailer is because by and large, if you have a way to take card-based payments in the same way that any normal business anywhere else would, you're going to be making on average 30 to 40% more per customer per visit. So for anyone that doesn't have a retail location or a dispensary, doesn't own one, hasn't had that experience, mm -hmm. um, why does cash suck? It sucks for one very simple to understand reason. You have the cash you have and because of all the taxes in cannabis and because of the fact that you don't know necessarily all the things that you might want to buy before you walk in. You've capped your purchase amount artificially by saying, I need to fit my purchases within the realm of the cash I have in hand. Now, realistically, if that wasn't a constraint, you'd be only relegated to buying the things that you want to buy. And that's what you can do anywhere else, at a restaurant, at the grocery store, at you know anywhere that you're buying furniture or you know, sporting goods or anything like that, you walk around and you see things that you that aren't occurring to you in the moment or things that maybe are a little bit 10% above your price range, but you think might be worth it. Um, or just some random things that look cool that you might want to try or think that might they might be a good gift for a friend of yours or something like that. Um, 
And you can't really plan like that if you come in with cash. You have to basically say, all right, I have to know in advance what I want. And I have to predict in my head what the taxation will be, which is very difficult to do because there are you know, uh, flat taxes, there are compound taxes that are applied to the post-tax value for a previous tax. And it's incredibly confusing. So you basically have to ballpark it. So if, if I'm from a consumer perspective, I walk in and let's say I don't have my cash, I effectively have to make a decision about how much money I'm going to spend today and what I'm going to buy, mm -hmm. go to the ATM, make an approximation of taxes, pull all that money out, yep. and then go up and buy. And one thing that stands out to me, and this is pretty obvious if you've been in a dispensary or retail location, is I don't see a lot of the suggestive selling and impulse purchases being taken advantage of, mm -hmm. right? So like, you know, like for example, if you look at retail outside of cannabis and you look at uh, shelf space and five hour energy, like five hour energy's big innovation, uh, not just was in the size and what the product that they sold, but it was the placement. Mm -hmm. This was the first like energy drink outside of the busy shelf space. It was right on the counter. Yeah. So it automatically got bumped up into like that, you know, impulse purchase with the, with the candy and all the other crap on the counter. Right. Well, that like the, the, the whole tried and true wisdom from retailers using that sort of diminishes and falls off a cliff in a place where I have to make my decision of how much I'm going to spend before I get influenced by those things. So from the perspective of the business owner, those levers just don't hit as hard. Yeah. You can't have your end caps. You can't have your upsell opportunities. You can't have um, the bud tender say at the end of when the customer brings up all the things they want to buy, if they're holding cash, you can't say, oh, based on what you're telling me or what you're interested in or other these other products, you might actually like this really cool new thing that we have or this thing that all of our customers rave about. Have you tried this thing? And that's a lot of value that they can add that they're unable to add to the consumer in that moment because the consumer is already capped by the cash they have. So just by moving, like right now, one of the things that is legal in cannabis is cashless ATM. And some places have it, some places don't. Um, so basically it takes that ATM that's usually sitting in the back of the store that customers go visit before they start shopping and it puts it right at the counter to mimic the experience that they would get if they were just purchasing through a normal debit card transaction. And what happens is because of just that placement in store, the, the retailer ends up getting an average basket size that's anywhere from 30 to 40% higher than it otherwise would be because the customer can just buy whatever they want. They can be upsold. Uh, right there at the counter, they can take advantage of the things that are sitting there that they might need that they're not even remembering. And they can just then purchase right there in that moment. It's the same transaction, just in a different spot. Yeah, they can. you can sort of slip as a human into the same buying behaviors that you have pretty much everywhere else where you buy stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, so how do you go about finding the right partner or the right solution to implement this in your business? So I'll give the easy answer first and the most complex answer second. The easy answer is if you're a GrowFlow customer, you can just use GrowFlow payments. We've already done the hard work for you. You flip it on, you get free hardware, uh, you don't pay any fees whatsoever, and you, you actually get to inevitably rev share up to the point where you've completely repaid for your GrowFlow subscription. So there's one easy path for So I'll pay devil's advocate. Let's yeah. say GrowFlow, I love your podcast, but I don't buy your stuff. So right. what do I do? So let's assume that you're a retailer that doesn't use GrowFlow. Let's say you use another, another point of sale solution. Um, many of them, not all of them, have integrations with payment providers. Uh, those will range from the digital payments like 
ACH, meaning it'll pull directly from the consumer's bank account. Some of them are the cashless ATM offerings. Some of them are cryptocurrency based. Based on what we've seen and what we've heard from consumers, what the surveys we've done to retailers, there's very little appetite for something that feels dynamically different than a normal store transaction. Yeah. Meaning anything outside of a normal card-based payment is extra work and extra cognitive overhead for the consumer that they don't wanna necessarily have to do. So unless it feels and mimics the same process they go for in every other location, you're, you're largely gonna be leaving money on the table as a retailer if you don't offer that. So let's forget for a moment about the, the ACH bank account integration. Let's forget for a moment about the cryptocurrency um, uh, offerings. And let's just focus straight up on the cashless ATM. There are a number of providers out there and cannabis being one of those industries that is considered by the banking institutions as a high risk industry, which means you don't have the same pro uh, merchant processing solutions as you would have in any other industry. You can't use the tried and true multi-billion dollar companies that you would. You basically have to use what are called high risk payment processors. They're a little bit less technical. They're a little bit more risky. They're going to charge higher fees and they always have the, the chance of being shut down by regulators if behind the scenes they're doing something that doesn't gel with financial law. Um, so you have to kind of know in advance what you're getting yourself into, do your research on the various providers, see how many customers they have, see who those customers are. So if somebody has, somebody's a high risk processor and they have 35 customers, uh, or if they have a couple hundred customers, you're probably playing in an even more risky place than if that, that uh, particular provider has a couple thousand customers um, because they've been, and if they have large customers that have chain stores, they've done a tremendous amount of diligence. They've put a bunch of transaction volume through those systems. So they're going to be more stable experiences and the, the people they have on staff to respond if things go south for any reason, for example, outages or um, anything like that, service disruptions, they're actually going to have people that will respond uh, a lot faster than the smaller operations that just don't have the infrastructure for it. But there's just less risk too. Like, like if I'm in that smaller pool with that sketchy provider and someone that has nothing to do with my business, uh, like another business that's one of their customers does something shady, the whole thing could get shut off. Absolutely. And the, the risk that you have with going with the wrong high-risk processor, if they get in trouble, if just the processor gets in trouble, let's say you as a, a business owner, you don't do anything wrong at all. But if that processor gets in trouble for doing sketchy things behind the scenes, there is always the risk of the credit card companies actually blacklisting both them and all of their merchants. So that would basically mean that down the road when federal legalization occurs and banking is no longer an issue, your operation will still be blacklisted buy the credit card companies and put your entire future of your business at risk in the same way that you would, let's say, if you were just a cash-based restaurant, right? You're going to be leaving a tremendous amount of money on the table and you're going to lose patrons that don't really typically carry or hold cash at any given time. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's funny how every regulated industry has this problem. Mm -hmm. So uh, for those of you guys that don't know, Travis and I and some of the people on our team in a previous life worked in a regulated industry in a tech startup. And let me just say, that the number of shady payment processors that are available to work with you and try to, you know, uh, take your business without really unpacking some of the things that we're talking about. I mean, there's like a laundry list of these guys, yeah. like they're, they're everywhere and it's crazy. So, you, you know, we wanted to make this episode to make it clear, like if you haven't already looked at this as an option, you know, finding the right partner and how you pick them 
is huge. And there's all these like hidden risks that uh, that maybe you didn't know about, which is why we're kind of diving into it. Right. So right. now now let's flip back to the easy button and we'll do a little shameless plug here. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done the research. Right. You know, we, we understand the space. We've been mm -hmm. working in regulated industries, uh, particularly on payment processing for years and years now. And uh, we've actually gone and done the research and found an amazing partner that we make available for people that do business with Growflow. So mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so not only do we have an amazing primary partner behind the scenes, but we also have the ability to put in redundant partners, uh, many of whom, like several of whom, were actually in conversations about integrating as our backup and of our backup as a backup uh, to ensure that if there are any service disruptions, and we've actually chosen a partner who's never had a single one because they have multiple redundancies on their end, they work with the largest operations in the space. You know, I think they have five of the top five uh, largest chains in the space already uh, who trust them exclusively with their digital payments. Um, and so what we did is we partnered with them, but we also saw in there that the vendor agreements that they would have with our customers were a little bit too aggressive, a little bit too heavy handed. And we're a very customer focused company. So we wanted to make sure that we could negotiate a custom agreement to make that more appetizing for our customers, our retail customers to jump on board with. So if you're a GrowFlow customer and you want to take digital payments and you want to increase your basket size by 30, 40%, you basically just have to jump on a feature of ours that's already built that we can turn on for you. You get free hardware, no fees. That's the big thing that most people don't think um, of in advance because there are hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of hidden fees that um, most companies, most of you would incur if, if you had to... Um, if you had to do this yourself and integrate with a payment processor that doesn't integrate with your POS or something like that, um, Growflow pays all those fees for on behalf of the customer uh, before we make a dime. So for folks that are doing, you know, two, three, th three or four thousand transactions a month, something like that, not only do you not pay any fees on those transactions, but we actually take a small commission on on each transaction. Uh, on the ATM fee of each transaction that the consumer pays, we rev share that back to our to our customers, to our retailers, to ensure that we can completely eliminate or at least render neutral the subscription that they would otherwise pay Growflow. So in essence, it's free Growflow, and you make more money um, by by increasing your average basket size per customer. Now we've seen the data come through. I get a report every single day in my inbox of the the revenue lift that um, our customers see when their customers transact through the cashless ATM through Growflow payments versus when they use cash. And it's consistently for literally every single customer at the very least, like 28 to 30% increased over the cash-based transactions. Yeah, I love it. So to make a long story short, if you are not yet accepting electronic payments, whether you are with Growflow or not, and you want to see something like a one-third increase in your revenue, definitely take that uh, take that move. And uh, you know, we'd love to help you with that. You can reach out to us podcast at growflow.com. You know, whether whether you work with us and our solution and our provider or not, or you want to just kick tires on the options available to help grow your uh, retail location or your dispensary, just reach out. As we've talked about a million times, like our mission is to be the most helpful company in cannabis, whether you buy from us or not. That's part of why we do this podcast. Uh, so definitely reach out to us if you have questions. We'd love to help you with that. One final question, though, before we take off, uh, given that you've 
really kind of went into this space and wrapped your head all the way around it, Travis. Um, what do you think the future of, uh, of payments look like for cannabis? I think it's going to look like the future of payments for any industry, inevitably, which will be lovely. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we see a lot more pre-orders that that will happen. You know, I, I'm hoping to see a lot more subscription. Uh, I'm hoping to see a lot more, um, you know, a, a lot more competitive pricing across operations. Cause right now I know that's really, really fragmented in cannabis. Cause there's, there's very little visibility, um, into what prices are at different locations. Um, so my hope is that consumers will feel like they have the ability to make their best possible decision. Um, but they should be able to come in and pay in the same way that any other operation, you know, any, any other, uh, place would pay. So for example, let's say you want to come in and pay with card. Great. Now there are also other more like future minded retailers outside of cannabis that they're going to just have a QR code on each of their, uh, products. You can scan it with your phone and you've, you've already purchased, like you don't have to do anything and you can just grab those things off the shelf and walk out. There's no register to ring up or anything like that. Now I have no idea what, um, you know, what that would look like if you would have to come in and check in with your medical card, if it's a medical state in advance. Um, but in my opinion, I would love to see more future-minded uh, operations in cannabis and, and more consumer experience focused companies uh, in cannabis rather than just another run-of-the-mill retailer taking advantage of a geographic gap in the market. So that would be, that would be lovely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Uh, as always, uh, we appreciate you watching the show. If you could like, share, and leave a review on this episode and on the podcast in general, that's going to help us, of course, reach more people. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Bye.